Hey everybody, this is Brent Kellogg, the pastor of Hillspring Church in Sand Springs, Oklahoma. And this is our podcast. Thanks for taking time to join us today. Our prayer is that this would inspire you, build your faith, and help you take the next step in Christ. Enjoy the message. Into this, If you have your Bibles, we're going to go to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. Uh, if this is your first time here, man, we are so glad that you joined us here today. We're just going to read out of the Bible. Really, the Bible is really God's story, his story of his love for his people, the story of God's glory, and we're going to talk about the book of Philippians. Last couple weeks, we have been in the book of Philippians, just kind of going verse by verse through this whole thing. And the, the author of this book is a guy named Paul. Paul was in prison while he was writing this, and he wrote it to a church in Philippi and just kind of went through some of these things. There's some good texts, there's some hard texts that we're gonna be reading through today, but man, all of the word of God is profitable for our lives, and so that's what we're gonna do. I will tell you, though, there's some text here that's gonna be tough, and so before we get there, I'd love to pray for us, and then we can jump into it. You guys good? All right, let's pray. God, I love you, and I thank you. Lord, quiet our hearts down, get our minds ready for what you have for us, God. Uh, This has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with you. Lord, I pray that you would just use us today to hear your word, and God, obey it. God, we love you and we thank you. It's in your name I pray, and everybody said. So in 2018, I I was here at the church, I was working, and I decided I really wanna go on a mission trip. Now, we had already sent a team to Guatemala the year before, and I really, I'd never led an international mission trip. I've led trips throughout the United States, but I've never led an international mission trip. And so in 2018, I went to Brent, and this was before Pastor Will was on staff, and and I went to him and I said, hey, I'd really like to try this. I'd really like the challenge of of doing this, leading a team of people internationally. I'd I'd love to, to try that to try that out. Have anyone in this room been on an international mission trip in, in their life? Come on, let me see, okay, yeah. So, so you understand, you know. Uh, and so it, it's, a, it's a different task to do that. Pastor Will was one who actually hooked us up for all this stuff, but it, it's, it's a little bit different. You got some stuff that you have to get that isn't normal. So, so we decided we were gonna go down to Guatemala and we were gonna go uh, into that, that area. And it was gonna be awesome. And so we went to Guatemala. We took a good team of people to, is there anyone in the room that was on that trip, by the way? Anyone that's still, okay, yeah, we have a few of them. So it was an incredible trip. One of the things that we got to do was we got to go get on the ground in one of the, one of the villages and we got to build a house for, for a family. And by we, not me, they did it, okay, because I can't build anything. But, but Clint and Bill, all the, all the guys got there and they, they built it and, they, and it was awesome. We got to dedicate it to the family afterwards. It was, it was incredible. But one of the best parts of those trips are you get some time after you're done working that you get to go hang out with all the kids in the village, and so every day we'd get done working and then we'd go into this little bit, it's kind of like a big open soccer field, really. And when we'd get out there and they'd be playing soccer and everything and we'd bring tons of candy with us and, and a bunch of stuff and they would just, we would just play all, all afternoon. It was the highlight of my trip, man. I love seeing our team out there and I love seeing the kids run around. It, it was great. So one of the days, though, we, we decided that we were going to bring a bunch of candy, but we decided we were going to do it inside of a pinata, all right? And so, like, if I brought a pinata into this room right now, the teenagers in this room would go crazy, okay? And so, now we're talking about Guatemala, and, and those kids were, were they, they saw that thing, and they just locked in on it, okay? And one of the things that I wanted to do, and I thought I could do, was I grabbed the pinata, and I said, hey, here, here's what we'll do. Instead of just kind of, like, putting it and hanging it up and letting them hit it, like, Here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna try to get them excited. And so I'm gonna grab it and I'm just gonna take off. I'm gonna run as far as I can. This is this big open field. And these kids, man, they're, they're, they're little bitty. They're, they're, they're fine. They, I mean, they got some energy, but they can't match me, all right? I mean, like, I'm, I'm, still, I'm still the man. And, and so I was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna book it all the way to the end of the field and then I'm gonna make my way 
back. That was, that was the plan. And, and, I, and I know you look at me and you, you sit there and your first thought is he's good looking. And your second thought is that he, he should maybe be in the Olympics. And yes, probably to all of that. But, but on this particular trip in Guatemala, that was not necessarily the case. And um, I could tell you what happened, but we actually have a video. And, and so here, here's, here's, here, no, don't do that. Here's, um, here, here's what I need you to focus in on too, because we talk about community and building and, and being friends. And my, my dear friend, Kenny White was on this trip and you can actually hear Kenny's commentary over this. You actually see in the bottom left-hand corner, uh, Kenny. And so Neil, if you would unmute that, and Mindy, if you would, let's, let's show the video real fast. I didn't make it all the way. I was surrounded. Look at Kenny. Turn that off, Mindy. I don't want to look at any more of that, actually. It's, let's, call it, let's get that. Okay, so what you, what you need to know right there is my plane didn't work. Um, those kids caught me within maybe, you might say five feet, I'd say 100 feet, but um, they, 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 they swung around. And so in view of that video and in view of what we just talked about, today we're going to talk about humility. Today we're talking about getting humbled in life and what that looks like for you and me. And so if you have your Bibles, we're going to go to Philippians chapter 2, and we're just going to read a couple verses. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 1, it says it like this. If then there is encouragement in Christ, if any consolation of love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, make my joy complete. This is Paul saying, make my joy complete by thinking the same way, having the same love, united in spirit, intent on one Purpose. Last week, Pastor Brent talked about living in unity, that the church as the body of Christ should live together in unity. That doesn't mean that we all have to like each other. Like I, I, I guarantee you in this room, there's some people who don't like each other, but it doesn't mean that we can't love each other still through that. And what he's saying here is that we need to be united together, that for the, present, for the gospel to be presented to the world, it needs to be presented by a united church. And so if we think about the inverse of that, if we're not united, then that means that we're presenting a false gospel. And so the idea here is that we should live united together. And then what we're gonna talk about today is how we live united. What are the ways in which we can live united? And I'm gonna be honest, these ways are not easy, they're not natural, and they're not things that we wanna do in our own self. But if we have God's grace, maybe we can have that happen for us. Verse three, this is what Paul says. Do nothing... The Greek word for nothing means nothing. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility consider others as more important than yourselves. Everyone should not look to his own interests, but rather to the interests of others. Now, that sounds great. Like, I, that verse, that's awesome. No one should do anything out of selfish ambition or conceit. Like, we're there, yeah. Like, yes, let's, let, I want that, but... Here's what happens when I really start reading that and thinking about my own life. I sit there and think, like, everyone should not look to his own interests, but rather to the interests of others. Um, like, Jesus, is that me? 
You're telling, I've got to look to the other people's interest. Like, like here, here's my thought process. Like, Jesus, have you ever on a, on a Friday night, or maybe not even Friday, maybe, a, let's put it like here. Have you ever on a Sunday, right before a huge snowstorm is about to hit Sand Springs, went into Walmart in that moment? Jesus, would you live these verses in? Like, Jesus, have you ever got in your car and you start driving down Highway 97 and you hit 105 of those stoplights, all right, and you hit every red one of them, all right, and you couldn't go any farther, Someone in front of you is cutting you off, okay? And you have the urge to give them that holy finger, but you don't want to, right? You're not going to, but you're stopping and starting. Like, you, you, Jesus, do you, you want to do this? Like, 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 Jesus, have you ever been in the car when my kids are going crazy, okay? And I know that I should be drugging them right now, but they're not right now, all right? Like, like I need to look out for other people, that's what you're, have you ever been here, Jesus, when Hillspring didn't put the coffee out right, all right? I mean, that, that's what you're telling me to do, to live united. That's what we're supposed to, that's what we're supposed to do. And, and then Paul hits him with an even harder statement. He says, don't do this. He says, don't live out of selfish ambition or conceit. But he also says this, verse five, says, adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus. Who existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Verse nine, for this reason, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that's above every name, so that at the, knee of Je- that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Here is the big idea of these verses. Jesus had every right to be proud, and yet he was humble. And all of us, we have every reason to be humble, and yet we are proud. And Paul says, if you wanna find unity, the way that you find unity is through humility. And this is what we get to talk about today. And so what I wanna do is he said, if you're gonna find humility, you have to adopt the attitude, the mindset of what Jesus himself had. And then he lists out the humility of Christ. And so what I wanna do is if you have your notes, we're gonna talk through those three parts of Jesus' life that showed how humble he was. So number one, here we go. The first one is the humility of his birth. Verse six says it like this. He who existed in the form of God did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant. In these verses, these are some of the most controversial verses in all of the Bible, okay? These verses have been debated over and over and over. That word form and that word emptied are two very controversial words because some people, they're gonna take this and they're gonna see the word form and say, well, then God became a man. That's what we celebrate at Christmas. God became a man and he left his godhood behind. Some people believe that. We, we don't believe that. We don't think that the Bible proves that at all, but some people have taken that and used that. Then that verse said that he emptied himself, that God himself gave up his godhood and gave it away, that he was just a man, and as he was on the earth, he became God throughout his life. We don't believe that either. We believe, as a church, that God was fully man, that Jesus was fully man and fully God. 100% God, 100% man. This would blow your mind if you sit there and think about it for very long. I'm gonna give you a theological phrase that people use to try to uh, define this. And they say it like this. Jesus was remaining what he was and he became what he was not. He was remaining what he was. He was always God, but he became what he was not, a man. Another theological phrase, uh, title for that would be called the hypostatic union. 
that 100% God, 100% man, all encompass. How that happens, who knows? But that's who God was. That he didn't just empty himself in such a way that he was not God, but that he emptied down from his glory, from the throne room, that he came into the earth to be with each and every one of us. That God himself, that he had to separate himself from Adam and Eve when they sinned. He said, no, I'm gonna walk with my people. I'm gonna see what my people do. I'm gonna work with my people. I'm gonna live with my people. He emptied himself of his godhood to the limit of, I'm coming to this earth. I'm still God, but I'm gonna come and know my people. That's, that's what these verses are saying. And you, when we think about it, we, we think about his birth, the humility of his birth, that Jesus was born of a virgin, of, of a, a lady named Mary. And he was born of this lady, not because Mary was holy or not because Mary was above everyone else, but that she was a young lady who said, hey, I'm gonna do whatever God calls me to do. And then Mary, you know this story, we, we celebrate it every year. Mary gives birth to Jesus in the middle of a stable, in the middle of a manger, a dirty, disgusting manger, the son of God, the only begotten son of God, the God who sits above, the God who was before, who is, and is to come. That God was born not in a palace where everyone could celebrate him and take pictures of him and be excited about him. That savior was born in the middle of a manger, in the middle of dirt and disgusting places. Why? Because it's a picture of our hearts that Jesus wants to reside inside of our hearts, which are dirty and disgusting and broken, and that if he resides in our hearts, he can complete those and bring those back to life. That's the picture in his humility of his birth. He could have been born on a high place, but no, he said, no, I wanna be born in the lowliest of places so that my people will know that I can be with them. This is the humility of Christ, that he took the form of a man, remaining who he was, and becoming what he was not. If Jesus had not become a man, he couldn't have lived the life that we lived. Which brings me to my next point. Let's talk about the humility of his life. And again, the verse says, he was taking on the likeness of humanity. Luke chapter nine, I love Jesus talking here. Luke chapter nine, verse 58, it says, Jesus replied, foxes have dens to live in, the birds have nests, but the son of man doesn't even have a place to lay his head. The absolute creator of the universe was born and yet he was a broke carpenter from Nazareth. In fact, in the Bible, it tells us what good could come from Nazareth. This is who our savior is. He could have been a king, he could have, he could have been heralded, he could have been walked through all the cities and people could have worshiped him right there, but he said, no, 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 I'm gonna go to the people who need me. I'm gonna go to the ones who are hurting, the leper that's away from God, the leper who's been called away, the leper who doesn't get to go into God's presence. I'm gonna go find that one. He goes to the woman who's caught in adultery and he gets on on his knees and he looks her in the eyes and says, woman, woman, go and sin no more. Daughter, he calls her a daughter. It's this beautiful, like he wants to know his people. And so he lives a humble life. He could have been anything he wanted to be, but he lived like us. And in fact, we see that Jesus, he did limit himself on the earth. He was fully God, he was fully man, but he limited himself. And here's why we say that. Not that he gave up his godhood, but that he just kind of limited. He put a wall around what he could do. It'd be like, this is probably a horrible illustration, but it'd be like if you were going to one of the elementary schools and you're, you're an adult and you're gonna go play dodgeball and you don't hold back on anything, right? You just start slamming kids in the face, right? That's, that, that's, that's what Jesus could have done, but he put a limiter on himself. He put a governor on himself. We know that because when he's about to feed the 5,000, he says, how many loaves do you have? He asks questions. When the woman walks up and touches him to be healed, he said, who touched me? He's asking questions because at this moment, he might not know. Jesus knows everything, but he limited himself. He was 
bound to the world and its rules, but he was above those. Again, this is so mind-boggling because God created it all together, and yet he limited himself to the rules of the world. He could understand walking by faith because he might not know what the next step is. That's where some of us are. That I know, God, you've called me to do something, but I don't know what the next step is. You know why? Jesus knows that. And he knows where you're at in that. Here's the, here's the last one. We're gonna talk about the humility of his death. The humility of his death. Verse seven says like this, and we had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to death on a cross. That even to death on a cross was Paul's way of saying, hey, he humbled himself to death, but not even just death, but death on a cross. He's emphasizing why this is such a big deal. I was walking into Walmart a couple days ago and as I was walking around, I started to see they had all the Easter stuff out already and, and all, the, all, the, all the, the bunnies and all the, all the eggs and all that kind of stuff. And, and I was sitting there thinking, man, this is, like, this is crazy. It's already this season of life for Easter, but that's what we celebrate is the cross of Jesus Christ, that he was risen from that cross. And it's kind of crazy that over the, the, the lifetime of us as Christians, we've really kind of prettied up the cross a little bit, Right? Like, we have it hanging in our, in our living rooms. We, maybe we have a cross necklace. And I'm, I'm not saying those things are bad by any stretch, but, but we, we have those things up there. And we sometimes maybe kind of forget that that was an instrument of torture, a shameful instrument of torture. Like, like what if you walked around with an electric chair necklace? That'd be weird, right? That'd, that'd be odd. But that's exactly what the cross is. It was an instrument of torture, an instrument of shame. The cross was the most humiliating death that anyone could go through much less the perfect, holy, begotten son of God who came away to take the sins of the world. And this is what Paul's saying. He says, unity comes from humility. He's saying, if you wanna find true humility, adopt the attitude of Jesus, that the cross wasn't beneath him, that if it means me saving my people, means I have to be stripped naked, my beard torn, my face spit in, being mocked, being whipped, if that's what it takes for me to know my people, to save my people, if it means bodily harm to me, if it means that my position becomes less, if it means that whatever I need to be or whoever I am, I'm looked down upon, if that's what it takes to help someone else, I'm gonna do it. And Paul's saying, that example that Jesus had, that he went through the most shameful thing in the world for you, that's how we should interact with each other. That the body of Christ should be the group of people that say, no matter what, I'm here for you. No matter what, I'm gonna help you. I'm not gonna look to my own interests. I'm gonna look to the interests of those around me. It's a foundation saying that the attitude of Christ is self-denial. And so when we talk about humility, it's not easy, it's not fun, but there are some things that come from humility. And we're gonna list those out and then we're gonna be done. Is everyone good still? First one's this, humility will cost you your position. Humility will cost you your position. Just like Christ had to be emptied out, he's saying to each and every one of us, look to other people as more important than yourself. If it means they get their way, it's okay. My position's not here on earth, it's actually in heaven. If it means that they get ahead, it's okay. Because it's not about me here, it's about him. This is the attitude of humility that God's calling us to that Paul was calling us to, that if someone else wants to go ahead of me, I'm gonna let them, because it's not about me. When I was walking the streets and campaigning the last couple of weeks, uh, uh, I was starting to get pretty frustrated. And I was sitting there thinking, man, 
there's people who don't like me. There's people who are posting bad things about me. Like, I don't, I don't want to do this anymore. And God reminded me in that moment, hey, I'm enough for you. And by the way, if you lost this thing, I still love you. If you win this thing, I still love you. You know the thing that matters the most is that I love you. I, I, and I love you, and I need you to hear this, but your position is incredible. I'm so proud of you for being here today, but your position is not your identity. Your identity is that Christ loves you and that you are the righteousness, that he gave you his righteousness, that he who knew no sin became sin for those of us who could know him. So let's ask some hard questions. He said, don't let anyone get... Don't do anything out of selfish ambition or conceit. Do you come to church to serve? Or are you here to serve, to be served? It says, don't look to other people. Let, let their interests be more important than your own interests. Let's just flesh that out real fast. The people who opened those doors up right there, the people who were working in the nursery, the people who were working right back there in the pole barn, this young man right here, you, 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 know, you know why they do that? Because they believe you're more important than they are the people that are in that video booth, the people that are sitting back there in the sound booth, you know why they're not here worshiping? Because they believe you're more important. And they're gonna put your interest in front of theirs. What if we as a church, we did that? What if you at your workplace, you did that? What if that person that you don't like, you did that for? Is that not the most Christ-like thing that we could do anyways? Humility will cost you your position. Well, but they don't know I'm the CEO. They, they don't know, I, like I, I, I got promoted, I, I'm here. Can I tell you the truth? If there's nothing beneath you, then there's nothing that can stop you. I've seen so many of our leaders, our elders, our pastors that like, hey, Sunday morning's important, but you know what's really important? Going out there and picking up that trash. And I've seen them do it over and over and over. Pastor Kelly right here, that's him. That's his value. Humility will cost you your position. Here's the next one. Humility can cause you pain. Just like Jesus died on the cross, humility is dying daily to yourself. Do we really fight sin in our life? Do we really take those moments? See, I know that we get up, and, and I, hope every, I hope everyone in this room hears me saying, there's no shame. This sermon was for me. There's no shame in this room. I don't want you to feel guilty, but I hope the Holy Spirit convicts some parts of your heart like he did mine. But are we, are we fighting sin? Are we saying daily, hey, you know what? I gotta get that worked on. I gotta fix that. Or are we just living okay with the things that we've been doing? Some of us in this room are addicted to pornography and we've just become okay with it. Some of us in this room, we've been cheating on our spouse and you're okay with it. Some of us in this room, we've got a lot of bitterness against somebody and we've become okay with it. Humility is gonna cost you pain because you have to look inside your heart and say, hey, that's an issue inside of me. I've gotta forgive. I've gotta work through that. Everyone say, I love you, Matt. Yeah, you don't, it's okay. Here, here's the next one. Here's the next one. Last one we're gonna call it good. Humility can create promotion. Humility can create promotion. Verse nine says, for this reason, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that's above every name so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God, the Father. On this side of eternity, the Bible promises that God will reward the humble. 
Proverbs 22, four says like this, the result of humility is the fear of the Lord along with wealth, honor, and life. Matthew 23, 11 says it like this, the greatest among you will be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. James 4, 10 says this, humble yourself before the Lord and he will exalt you. These are the rewards of those who are humble and who follow God's call on their life. So if Jesus died for others, then the call on our lives is that we would live for others. So let's do that. Let's believe that what's happening in Sholo, Arizona matters to us because why? Because those are God's children too. What's happening in Charles Page High School matters to us, why? Because those are our kids too. Those are God's kids. What's happening in Barry, those are God's kids. So let's care about those issues. You know, in the Bible, there, it talks about three angels. There's three angels that God actually, he actually names, okay? We have Gabriel, we have Michael, and there's one more. Do you guys know his name? Lucifer, you were in the first service, you lie. Okay, so it, it's, it's Lucifer. And you know the story of Lucifer, right? Lucifer was born an angel that he was given, he was like inside of him were the instruments of worship. He was the worshiping angel. And Ezekiel chapter 38 tells us that he, he, he wanted to become the primary thing in heaven. He wanted to be the ultimate thing, that God was on his throne, but he wanted the throne. He wanted people to look at him. He wanted people to focus on him. And so God said, hey, there, there's not enough room in heaven for both of us. I'm the one who should be worshiped. And he sent Lucifer out. Uh, Ezekiel 38 tells us that Satan fell like lightning. He hit the ground. This is another picture of what pride does to us, that when we want to get high and lofty, that God brings us down to the ground, that God brings us down. Why? For our good. Because none of us in this room deserve any type of worship. None of us in this room deserve any type of worship that gets us anything. It's only God who deserves the worship. And, and so this is where humility comes in. Humility makes you remember that I was brought. I was far from God and he brought me near. That he lived a humble life, not for my brother, not for my sister, but for me. That that cross, I know there are some sick people out in the world and they need Jesus because of their sins. But you know what? My sins put him on the cross just as much. Now, there's no one in this room that's any better than anyone else. Your money doesn't define you. Your job doesn't define you. Your spouse doesn't define you. What defines you is that Jesus loves you and that he went to a cross for you and that even if you don't know him, even if you feel too broken or that he can't love you, he looks to you today and the word of God to you today is I love you, I care for you, and I went to a cross to die for you. If you would come to me, if you would run to me, then I could save you. This is the call of Jesus, to come to know him. The humility of Christ brings about the honor of heaven. I, I love in this verse, by the way, verse nine, Mindy, let's, let's go back to verse nine. It says, for this reason, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that's above every name. The word God right there is Theo. It's, it's, it's the word God, it's, it's God. Then it says, so that at the name of Jesus, the name Jesus right there is Yeshua. It's the name of Jesus. So I want you to keep in mind, real fast, this is some Bible trivia. There's God and there's Yeshua. They're one God, the Trinity, right? We know that one God, but it defines it here in two different ways. God gave Jesus the name that's highly exalted. The name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and every tongue will confess that Jesus is the Lord. It defines these two names. Why? Because Jesus humbled himself to the death on a cross, and because he humbled himself, God didn't raise up his own name, God raised up the name of Jesus. That is the name of Jesus. Every knee will bow, and every tongue will confess.
Today, you have the opportunity to have that happen. I love you. Don't let the Lord humble you. Today, let's humble our hearts and say, God, do what you can in me. I want to live the life of Jesus. Everyone's head bowed and everyone's eyes closed all across this room, just you and me for a second. We talked about the cross. We talked about Jesus. We talked about a God who loves you. And I hope you understand more than anything that there's no shame in this room. What you need to hear is that there's a God who loves you. The very reason you're sitting in these seats today isn't because you planned it two weeks ago or this morning. The reason you're sitting in this seat today is because God wanted you to hear that he loves you. Well, man, I'm far from God. That's fine. He's not far from you. You have the opportunity to give your life to Jesus. What that means is you say, Jesus, I can't do this anymore. I need you to take it from me. I need you to take my life, my heart, my will, my emotions. I know I've done bad things. God, I need you to forgive me of those things. I can't carry that weight anymore. And so today, here's how we do it. Simple, it's it's, it's not a, a big thing. What we do is we just ask you to pray a prayer. The prayer doesn't save you, it's the heart that saves you. But if you wanna give your life to Jesus today, I'm gonna have you pray a prayer. You can pray it out loud and pray it in your head however you wanna do it, but here's the prayer. Father God, I pray that you would save me. Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of my mistakes. God, I believe you died on the cross. I believe you were raised from the dead. And I ask you to be the Lord of my life, the ruler of my life. Today, I believe you're saving me. In your name I pray. I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If you did, there's a couple of things I want to invite you to do. First, hit the subscribe button. That way, you won't miss a single episode. Secondly, if this message has impacted you and you would like to help us reach others, visit our website at hillspring.tv and hit the Give Now button so that we can take this message around the globe. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.